looks down and savors it To bake with her was always so much fun For Bobby fresh-cut marigolds A bowl of cherries nice and cold If he were here we'd fight for the last one It's been so long since I've seen them Since we sang favorite songs Or just special episode of Spirit of Avalor with your host Lauren and Becca and today we have a special guest he has directed two of our favorite episodes the Jewel of Maru and Rise of the Sorceress Rob Pratt welcome hi oh you're welcome you're very very welcome so First question for you, and this will be just be a conversation, obviously, but we always like to ask our guests this. What were you like as a kid? Like, were you a cartoon kid? Did you draw? Did you like to skateboard? Were you a Disney kid? What What was your What was your thing? How did you go from being a long Indian to being, you know, to getting this job at Atlanta? Like, what was what lit your fire? I, you know, I'm so lucky. I'm one of those kids that I knew really, really early on what I wanted to do. I. At six years old, I remember going into kindergarten and telling everyone, when I grow up, I'm going to be an animator at Disney. I just knew I loved cartoons. I loved drawing. And it wasn't just that I wanted to draw. I loved the whole package, that it was like, it was color. It was movement. It was performance. It was voice acting. It was music. It was all these different art forms coming together. It wasn't just, you know, I, I wouldn't have been happy just drawing maybe like a comic book, although comic book artists draw really great. But I wanted to do everything that would like encompassed all of those things 
together. And luckily, like I said, early on, and I, oh my God, I loved like Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny. I love Bugs Bunny like crazy. I love the Fleischer Popeye cartoons. And Disney, even though, you know, again, I was lucky. I was born and raised in North Hollywood, maybe, I don't know, four or five miles from the Walt Disney Studio. But um, even then, it was a little intimidating. Like, wow, I don't know if I'll ever get in there. And um, if I don't, you know, one of my favorite directors is Chuck Jones that did the great legendary Bugs Bunny cartoons. And, you know, he worked at Disney for, you know, maybe a month or so. Um, he didn't have a big Disney career. So I thought, well, if I don't have a big Disney career, maybe I can be like Chuck Jones. Um, but luckily, you know, Disney went through this big revival in the, um, you know, Were late you, 80s. You like to call the Renaissance, the era we grew up in, all the good movies. Aladdin. That's Ariel, right. That's right. Yep, yep, and that was timed perfectly when I was kind of like getting out there in the workforce. Um, I, I got hired at Disney right when Lion King was still in theater, so they were like, you know, there was not really, Pixar wasn't like a big giant monster yet, and, and um, DreamWorks wasn't really, DreamWorks is just being created, so Disney was indisputably the number one place that you wanted to be as an animator, and luckily for me, they were really busy because they had these big monster hits in a row, not just one or two. I mean, they had, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, then Little Mermaid, then Beauty and the Beast, then Aladdin and, and Lion King, and they just got bigger and bigger and bigger, so they were really busy, and that was um, perfectly timed when I was out on the workforce, and I knew I wanted to be an animator my whole life. So what was your first job for Disney? Were you a cleanup artist? Were you in between her? Like, what did you do? You nailed it. I was a cleanup in-betweener on the movie Pocahontas. Oh, cool. cool. Yeah, you know, that's crazy. I'm not old enough to have been placed that long, but um, that is when I got hired. What was, what, what, which character or characters did you work on in that movie? Because that's one of our favorites. Yes. Oh, God. And then to be able to, like, start this dream job right when it's so exciting, right when Lion King is still in theaters, it's it, like it could not get better. And then I was assigned to the Pocahontas character. Oh, wow. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Wow. Great. So awesome. Oh my gosh. She, I love her. I love the movie. We actually um, are tentatively hoping to interview Irene Bedard, um, oh, the woman be who correct. voiced her, because she is incredible and she did something amazing for us, not personally, but like, except, generally speaking, for the blind community. She yes. actually described her own movie. And did an audio descriptive track for her own movie, and which allowed, has never been before, and allowed them allowed you know whatever company it was you know to, what I mean by that is whatever descriptive company at the time um, yeah. to use it, and we have that, and it is the most incredible thing in the world. And for the listeners who don't know what audio description is, maybe you don't know Rob. I'm not sure if what Craig told you about us or anything, but. Basically, what it would be was say it was for Elena, like say say, and they they do actually have audio description description episodes of Elena. They're starting yeah. to, which is amazing. Two different yeah. subscribers. They're really good. Mostly, you can't get everything. You know, I get that, but they're mostly very good. And like it's yeah. stuff like, like say, okay, let's say take. I don't know. I'm just gonna make something up. And if I'm on on a on a roll here, I don't know how. So I've not seen anything. Nobody else has seen. But I'm just gonna make a you know. Example, like say Elena's talking to Isa and Isa isn't like liking what she's hearing, you know, and she looks down, but we don't know that. Like they describe like Isabel looked down, you know, and Elena's like, hey, hey, look at me. You need to look at me. You know, and it would yeah. say, you know, yeah. yeah, it would say stuff like that. 
that's to great. let us know that that's what she did. You know, that's what Esau was doing. But what I love about the one thing we lo- the one of the many things we love about Elena is the descriptive dialogue you guys use. Yes. Oh, great. Yes. Well, that I mean that's great to hear, and you know, because I. I am full, like, we work our tails off to make it visually exciting, but I am very, very aware that the audible part is half the experience. It's a multimedia entertainment, so the audible part is just as important as the visual part. So um, it really, I mean, the voice actors we have are great, and they they totally get... Oh, yes. Oh, Oh, my God. They get grips. I mean, they totally understand where these characters are coming from, and they deliver the lines so great. And um, it really communicates audibly what's going on. And then we get our music by, by Tony Morales. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. It sounds lush and like a movie, and it's beautiful. Oh, and then yeah. John Kepner, uh songs mm-hmm. are just outstanding. Oh, so yeah. I'm glad that you're still really able to enjoy these things. Oh, yeah. No, it doesn't. It, believe me, Elena is one of the... I've been waiting for her since I was a La Nina myself, since I was like seven or eight. Like, within that <laughs> Disney renaissance. I mean, I loved Ariel. I love Jasmine. I still do. I mean, they didn't get bumped or anything. But yeah. Elena and Isa have definitely found permanent places in my, car, in, in my heart. Definitely, definitely found permanent places. Oh, that's so wonderful to hear. Thank you for expressing that. Yeah, she she's amazing, and I the show is incredible. And oh, thank you so much. Just everything about it is just amazing. <laughs> oh, I, I love hearing that because we work really hard, and we love Elena, and um, we're trying our best. So, you know, we work sometimes a little isolated. We're on our own, and then yeah. to hear yeah. somebody loves it, 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 that is music to any artist's ears. We just oh, love yeah. to hear that. I mean, yeah. even even more than that. I mean, um, she's actually helping both of us. We're both yeah. um, going through some. We're both on journeys of medical trauma recovery, which means that mm-hmm. you know we've had things happen to us that obviously aren't pleasant. But since we didn't, or at least in my case, since I didn't have anyone to prepare me when I was a kid for like certain for surgeries and for things like that. I now am dealing with basically trauma issues where I get triggered a lot if I smell certain things or if I hear something that will remind me of being in the OR. So it's like it. So I'm obviously I have I'm talking to someone about I'm working on it, but it it doesn't happen overnight. And Elena is helping me to first of all realize that I don't have to have everything down. No, no pun intended. Although we do love that song. And, you know, and just that, just to be gentle with myself and just, it's okay not to have it all together. And also, um, she's helping me to grieve that loss, which is the loss of my vision from a surgery that took it away, or most of it away anyway. And I was not able to do that until I heard Make Them Proud. Oh, well, that is very, very moving. And I'm so glad that you find inspiration from that and i know like look i don't i don't have it as hard as you but i I grew up very poor and um very felt very powerless and i'm a big superman fan everybody knows i love superman and those christopher reeve movies came out when i was a kid and that was something that i latched on to and it's it's really the power of having a character that has such a positive message that's what I needed from Superman. Mm-hmm. So now to grow up and hear that, you know, I'm working on Elena and we're trying our best to make her a very positive character and that she has her own, um, 
challenges, but she always faces them with, with enormous positivity and courage. And I'm glad that's, that's inspiring to you because I know you need it just as much, if not more, than, than, than I needed it when I was a kid. So this is really, really um, wonderful to hear. And yeah. I just thank you so much for expressing that to me. No problem. Yeah. I mean, the one thing... And Miel, I, I know you know this, but if you don't mind me explaining, and then we can you can ask your question, I promise. Okay. Sure. Um, so we're gonna go right into Rise of the Sorceress, if you don't mind, because yeah. there's yeah. something that I need to tell you about that, and then we'll talk about it further because obviously Becca has things that you like too. When Elena is walks into, I know we're skipping here, but I, there's a there's a reason. When Elena walks into the palace with Naomi and she sees Shuriki for the first time well again and obviously starts to dissociate and has that flashback of Shuriki killing her parents like I just I wanted to hug her because I know what that's like and not not my parents are still alive but what I mean is that is exactly how I felt the first time that I went back to the hospital just to get a just to get a checkup after I after I had the surgery that's exactly like what I what she was feeling and the way that she wasn't able to actually her mind wasn't able to come back she had to wait for she it didn't come back until she heard obviously Shuriki yell that spell and Naomi thank god pushed her out of the way in time because she wasn't able to not snap out of it, I don't mean it like that, but she wasn't able to get her mind back to the present in enough time to do anything. Right. Um, I, I understood exactly what she was going through, and I cried the first time I saw that, and I know I couldn't see what was going on the screen. This was before Becca um, described anything to me, but I, I knew, and I was like, yes, I was like, I know how you're feeling. And because the first time I stepped to the elevator and that aroma hit me, like, I things, you know, like I, I had, it, obviously it was not the same flashback at all, but I had a flashback back to how helpless and powerless I felt and it is hard to come out of that and I'm so glad that you guys weren't afraid to go there and show yes. how hard she, how hard she had it. Oh, thank you. That was a lot of work, of course, and we get these, in, in television you're working so fast. We have to produce 25 of these in a year. And it's wow. just, at, uh, it's amazing pace for animation. And so when we're getting these scripts and then some of those, it, right in that area, the stories were serialized together where one didn't really conclude. It had to kind of like, you had to see the next episode to see what was going to happen next. Mm -hmm. So we were getting these scripts fast and furious and we're trying to, you know, do our best to visualize them. Mm -hmm. And then um, that script comes to me and yeah, it's, it's, it was even getting into that headspace of like, Oh, wait a minute. We've been showing Shariki all this time kind of behind the scenes, but we kind of had to re remind ourselves. And you know, you, when you get the script, you read it like 25 times before you start yeah. even you know drawing anything. And it's like reminding ourselves like, Oh, wait a minute. The audience is a little bit ahead of Elena. They, they know that Shariki's yeah. doing all this stuff, but this is Elena's not known until this moment. No. So this is going to be the moment where it becomes aware to her. And um, 
you know, we looked at, you know, for obvious reasons, there's a really in, impactful, because you want to stand on the shoulders of others that came before you and have figured out stuff and then hopefully add to it. So there's a scene in Terminator 2, which sounds funny, it's completely unrelated to Elena, but there's a scene in Terminator 2 where um, Linda Hamilton thinks she's going to get killed by this new uh, liquid metal Terminator, and then around the corner comes Arnold Schwarzenegger, and she thinks that he's like the, you know, doom, he's going to kill her too. She doesn't know he's a good guy yet. And they did it in slow motion, and, and um, the shocked look on Linda Hamilton's face. So that was definitely... Um, uh, definitely a sequence that we looked at, but then we had the uh, the added bonus of, oh, we can show a flashback, remind the audience what happened to her mm -hmm. parents, and it's a big, heavy moment. And it's hard to, you know, timing animation is really tricky because if you time it really fast or really slow, it just looks like sloppy animation. It doesn't look right. You're always going for natural, 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 natural. Mm -hmm. And in that scene, we wanted to do a slow motion scene, and that's really challenging to make it look like we want the audience to know that this is happening in slow motion. It's just not just poorly timed. And um, so, you know, like we're saying audibly, that's half the experience. Getting like that sound in there that made it um, sell that it was slow motion. We had a heartbeat sound. We had all kinds of sounds that we were digging up from every corner of our, our library. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was, a, it was definitely uh, a sequence that, you know, we put a lot of thought and effort into it. And it was to make people feel what I think you're describing you felt. So that's really great to hear that it was effective. Yeah, yeah it, was more, it, was, it was like more than effective. It was like, I know exactly what that feels like. I mean, a different situation, but I live that every day when I go to the grocery store and that they use a cleaner there that makes me, that's exactly what happens. And I, I obviously I was crying for the, because I empathize, empathize with her, but I was thinking, thank you for getting this right. Thank you for not making fun of this. Thank you for actually doing the serious thing and letting us see the struggle that she, you know, that she's going through remembering and just to know and Becca this is thanks to you Miel so I have I have I claim no visual credit for getting to know this particular in this particular thing but it breaks my heart and our hearts obviously to know yeah. that Elena was the last person that her mama saw before it happened Yes. I mean, and it was like, it was like she was, I'm thinking that she was saying, okay, I know something is going to happen. I love you. We, we, you, we, um, I know you'll take the lessons that we've taught you. I know it wasn't enough time, Miha, but you'll be okay. You will, we know that you were going to raise Isa to be an incredible person because that's how we raised you. And we will always love you. We will always be looking out for you. This is hard, but how do you cram that into a couple minutes? I yeah. mean, I mean, not like that, but I mean, what I'm saying, Lucia was probably trying to convey to her in that, in that three, in that stare, it was like everything she couldn't say. Right. It is very much a primal feeling. Like you explain this to a caveman and they would understand the feeling of that, this kind of rite of passage. And when you lose your parents that you're now on your own and you only have to, you only have the memories of how they raised you and the ideals that they taught you. And again, this comes back to Superman. That's one of the things I love about Superman. If somebody had all these powers, why, why would they use them so selflessly? You know, they would, they would do whatever they want. They could do whatever they want. 
but it's very poignant that Superman, you know, saw his Earth father tell him, like, you have to use your powers for good. And that was the last thing his father told him. And it stuck with him. And thank, thank goodness it stuck with him because we all have Superman and he's good. And, and that's very similar to Elena. Like, her parents took her as far as they could. And now yeah. it's it's on her own. She has to remember those lessons that she learned, and she's got nobody to lean on. It's just just it's the memory of what they taught her and how they resonate with her for her whole life. Yeah, and I mean we know that she's going to instill those values in Issa because oh, yeah. she loves that little girl. She will do anything for her, and that is the one relationship that we. I mean we we love a lot of the bonds, but that one is the one that I keep coming back for. I mean, I love her friendship with Naomi. That That's neither here nor there. Yeah. But oh, yeah. I'm all about Familia, and I'm Latina myself. So like, I'm, we're all, I'm all about Familia. I'm all about, and I love, I love their bond. Oh, my gosh. It is amazing. Hey, that is great, isn't it? <laughs> so I'm glad it's coming it's, across. It's amazing. Go ahead, Mia. Yeah, we, Sorry. Go ahead. We love them too, so I'm glad it's come. I'm, I'm I'm glad that it's communicating to everybody. Yeah, yeah. They're uh, Isabel and Issa. I mean, in the in you know in going to um, Crystal in the rough and fix anything. Like you can tell through that whole song how much Elena loves her. Yes. Yeah. And you know without even seeing the visuals, just the song itself, you can tell. Right, and we all, you know, we all love like a mentor that we've had, somebody that's kind of been around longer than we have so they can kind of show us the way. And yeah. it's really great that, you know, Elena's there for Issa because we we all kind of get that relationship and it, it's all very, um, it's very deep. Oh yeah. And, and back to the song back to rise of the sorceress and the song oh oh my oh, the oh my contrast God. in that like going from this happy song to in the middle of it shariki taking the tiara yes Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I heard it, and I, I was able to put two and two together. But then Beck obviously told me the, you know, the visual, and I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, Elaine doesn't even know yet, and I, I no, she doesn't. I, I mean, I'm praying and hoping that she does find out. And I know you guys won't just brush that under the rug. Under the rug. I mean, we trust you. So whenever that happens, oh my gosh, we're going to probably be seeing her crying right along with her. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I hope it's I hope it's something that really pulls you in. That song was really again another challenge where I I, I was kind of trying to describe you know doing something in slow motion and animation is challenging, and then that song of like intercutting between really happy stuff and then bad stuff happening. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it, it's something that you don't really see in animation a whole lot. So you know you read the script and you're like, wow, we're gonna try to pull this off. This is gonna be a challenge, and then you just you work at it and you work at it really really hard. And uh, we're very happy with what what um, you know where it, where it landed, and but you don't know until you hear the, what the audience reaction is to it. So I'm glad it hit you on that that level that we were going for. Oh yeah. So as director, when you direct an episode, are you mainly focusing on the animation aspect of it? Well, you know, really the whole every aspect of the whole show. So I will get a script that has been worked out by the writing team. 
But um, when I get it, there are little, you know, they'll let me chime in on what I feel like because, you know, it's one thing to write something because you can write thoughts or you can write things that are very um, challenging to visualize and they'll read fine. But now when I get it and it, we have to make it into a multimedia thing, you'll find like, well, this is hard to visualize. Can we, can we do this here? Can we do that? So I can kind of pull and tug a little bit at the story, not a whole lot, but a little bit. Um, and then when I get it, we will storyboard it out, which is kind of like it's making the blueprint for the show. It's it's right. drawing every like comic book panels for like, oh, we're going to, you know, when Elena says this, we should be on a single shot of her. Or when we go here, it should be a, a shot of the whole room so we know where everybody's standing. It's kind right. of the whole game plan for how the show is going to play out visually. And um, so I'll, I'll oversee that with my storyboard team. Once we get the storyboards done, those will be pulled into editorial where an editor will edit it together and do kind of a little cartoon. And we have the voices recorded so we can watch these rough drawings um, synced up with the, with the voice performances. And even from there, you know, I'll do my best to visualize it as best as I can, but you kind of need to see how it's playing and is it clear? Um, are we getting all the emotions across? Because we're, look, we're Disney. We're in the emotion business. Are we going to get the emotions yeah. we want? Are we getting the story point across? So I'll watch it from there. And, in, and even there, there'll be a little bit of story tweak. Like, wow, this sequence is not really helping our theme and it's taking up time that we could better spend on this relationship. So I can kind of pull it and tug it a little bit towards um, those, those kind of visuals. And then it'll go, um, once we're all happy with it, and that, when I say we're all happy with it, <laughs> I have my boss, which is a supervising director. I've got um, Craig, who you've spoken to um, as, mm -hmm. as the executive producer. And now Sylvia Olivas is the uh, co-producer. They all have to look at it. When they look at it, we still have to show our big bosses at the Disney Channel, make sure they're good at it. Mm -hmm. And everybody has their kind of notes to make it better. And right. we keep um, pulling and tugging it the way we want to try to make it better, time it better, um, pull away a sequence that isn't helping the story and maybe add a sequence that would help it better. And then when we're all happy, and that's a couple of months down the road, even after I've had the script, then it'll go into production where they actually animate the shots. Wow. And when the shots back, then I will, um, I used to be a traditional animator, so I will do screen grabs and I'll draw drawings over the animation to try to help the, the performance be even uh, as stronger, as strong as possible. That's cool. So I'm really seeing it through all the way through and then even sound and, and music, I kind of get, get to chime in here and there. Mm -hmm. Do you go? Do you ever go into the studio while they're like while Amy is recording? I'm always welcome to do it, um, but Craig will be there, and I'll, I'm finding you know I'm I'm always welcome to do it, and I have done it on occasion. I don't do it regularly regularly because I am always drawing. I'm just always mm -hmm. drawing. I draw because I have my own story team. And they do their best to draw the story, but I'm such a uh, I'm such a uh, passionate guy about it that I get it, and I probably do several hundred drawings just on the storyboards myself. Wow! And then once it gets sent to our animation studio and it comes back in animation, it's very common for me to do 300 to 600 drawings just over the animation. So by then, I've done you know. A, a thousand, a thousand, maybe a thousand five hundred drawings on the show just myself. That's not even including the team that I'm overseeing. Wow. So just because I'm drawing so much, I don't. I tend to not go to the recordings as much as I would like to because it's fun to see the actors perform. Um, yeah. But I, I've been to them. It's just not as regular as I would like. So have you been able to draw the babies, the cubs, the baby Jacqueline? Yes, yes, those yeah. guys. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I've had quite a few episodes with Aww. them. Who's your yeah, favorite? They're they are adorable. And their voices are so yes. cute. Oh, we love Asreya. Asreya is my, well, Asreya is my favorite. I don't know about Becca, but I, I love, yeah, I love Asreya. Favorite. He's my I favorite. love that she's so responsible. <laughs> she's not, no, no, Estrella, the little one, the, um, the, the one played by Gia Lopez. Right, right. Yeah. Isn't she always kind of like warning Mingo, you she, know, to kind of like. Yeah, 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 she is, she is. She's, <laughs> she's going to be the responsible one when, when they get older, but I yeah. am yeah. so, oh my gosh, they are just so adorable. They are. <laughs> are. Yeah, we have more of them coming up. Of course, yes. I don't want to say too much about what's it's coming okay. up. But it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. We have a feeling they're going to be in Race for the Realm, so we're happy about that, tentatively speaking. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, okay, so let's go on to Jewel of Maru for a couple minutes. Now, yes. the one thing you need to know about this episode, I mean, besides what I just told you about Make Them Proud and how it profoundly, like, helped me, we did about four we haven't air, like posted them yet because we're still in season one of reviewing the episodes but we did four episodes on Joel of Maru alone four wow oh, wow <laughs> I, I am very proud of that episode that is one where the script came to me and I thought you know it's really good but it's our season one it's our I mean our season two is our first show and I was comparing, like, you know, I'm a big, I like, I like the old Star Trek show. And their okay. season, their season two opener was called Amic Time. It was one where Spock had to like go mate, and he had to go to back to planet Vulcan, and through this twist of events, he had to have a battle of, uh, to the death with Captain Kirk, his best friend. And I'm like, wow, pal, that's how you come back with the season two, you know, your first episode. And while I like um, Jewel of Maru, I'm like, wow, we, we don't have Gabe in it, we don't have Naomi in it. Um, but we've got to make this really be like, pow, it's got to be like Amic time. Yeah. So um, I thought, well, look, what are what is the big takeaway? What is the big giant thing that kids are going to remember months later after they've seen this episode? And I thought, well, months later, if you asked them, did you see this um, Jewel of Maru? I thought their answer would be, oh, yeah, that's the one where Elena finally gets to talk to her parents. So that's got to be like the big sequence that really stands out, really is emotional. And so we put a lot of effort into that shot. And it was challenging because Elena is stuck under under debris. So yes. we can't even really get the camera yeah. to a lot of yes. places. Um, but um, when it came time to, you know, we, we did our best to board it as well as we could. And then we gave it to the animation studio. And I, I asked the animators, I go, look, we don't have like big, giant, broad acting here. We don't have a lot of running. We don't have like Armando style comedy. <laughs> this is this is emotional stuff, a lot yes. of close-ups. So if you have animators that are really good at handling very uh, sensitive timing and very subtle timing, please assign these shots to them. And I just was blown away when I saw the animation. You can see this character think. And that's not something you get in TV a lot when you're working so fast. Like you're really, the character looks like it's breathing and living and it's alive and it's thinking. And um, they, they really knocked it out of the park. And then, you know, that was where we put all of our focus, but somehow, you know, we had a, a board artist on, you know, act three is usually where you're gonna get like the big action stuff because yes. it's the big thing. And yeah. we got uh, Scotland Barnes is the board artist who we put on act three and he embellished some of the, um, act, the action. He came up with Elena leaping off of Skylar to, to grab the jewel. That was not in the script. Oh, and it just wow. Better. And so 
here I was, you know, really focusing on that Elena talking to her parents sequences, but all the other sequences got plussed along the way. And I just could not be more proud of how that episode came out. It's really, it's, it's really one of my um, proudest moments in my career. Well, it's that scene. Um, oh, gosh. I probably, we probably watched it like a hundred times, just over and over and over again. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, and, we we both cried. Like I was in tears throughout the whole thing. I was, I was crying, and then I was laughing at one point, and then, you know, <laughs> especially when she reaches out and she tries to touch her puppy's hand. Yes. And. Uh. And then she realizes what's going on, you know, and she's like, wait, don't go. I was like, oh, my gosh. Okay. Yes. Oh, I'm so, oh, my, you are making my day telling me this stuff because that sequence, that even came from, you know, we had her song where she's going to sing about how, you know, yeah. I'm, I hope my parents today so along with her seeing the parents that was the other focus like let's put it on this song and let's put it on the sequence where she sees them and late in the game it was not scripted and it, even the first board artist didn't do this pass we were not going to have the flashback of elena growing up with her parents oh the art director um frank came up with that idea and he's like wow maybe we can we can we make a cg model of elena as a little girl and um of her as like the middle yes. uh Oh, so I went in there and, you know, by the, by that time, the board artist is onto a new assignment. So I had to board this new little bit myself. And so I boarded her, you know, um, sword fighting with her mom and then dancing. And then I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if in her memory, she touched her dad's hand as he took her to dance. And then we get a big payoff later when she yes. talks to her dad. Yeah, yeah. We didn't know that he, she touched her his hand in the flashback. No, thank yeah. you so much, muchas gracias, yeah. because we had no idea. And now I can ask you because you, 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 you're the one I can finally ask and get this question answered. And yeah. was that her kinses? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of what's great, and what I, I love that you're asking about it, is I love this kind of, like, theater of the mind thing. Like, you give the audience just enough information, mm -hmm. and then they fill in the blanks. Like, yeah. why do people like to play, um, you know, like, why do people like to do a crossword puzzle? It's because they get a little clue, and then they fill it in, and they feel good about themselves. Because, like, yeah. well, I'm mm -hmm. smart. I, I took the clue, and I filled in the blank. Yeah. And I had a stories in growing up with, like, Steven Spielberg and, and George Lucas mm -hmm. movies, the Star mm -hmm. Wars movies and the Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. They always had these little things that were alluded to, things that happened off camera that we didn't see. Mm -hmm. And now, I mean, God, when I was a kid and I heard that, you know, Obi-Wan gave Luke Skywalker a lightsaber, and he said, I used to fight, I, I used to be a Jedi Knight, and I fought in the Clone Wars. My head exploded, because I'm like, oh, there's Clone Wars? Like, what happened off screen that I didn't... So it's great to let the audience fill in the blanks a little bit. So yeah. I think with that sequence, we were just trying to give you enough information, and then you can fill it in the way that makes you feel good about it. Yeah, cause that's the one thing I thought of. I mean, I could thought I could have probably obviously thought of a bunch of other things, but the Keen says was what came to mind yeah. in the last flashback. And all I kept thinking, and I said this to Rachel because we interviewed her as well in February, and I'm gonna say the same thing to you, and I'm gonna see what you know, see what how what your take is on this. But all those flashbacks, I mean, I could not see them, but Becca. Um, describe them to me. Yeah, and I, ha and I have to tell you that 
when I saw those flashbacks for the first time, I watched the song about 40 times before I, I even watched oh. the rest of the episode. I love it. Oh, that's so great to hear. I, I knew, okay, I have to get this right so I can describe them to Lauren. And 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 so I'm taught and so I so Lauren and I are on the phone a few hours later and I said I cried through the I cried through the whole song. I sat there and sobbed. So and I was like I was yeah. like, I know what was sad, but all she was doing was repairing her parents off window. That's the only thing. And I said I said, Oh no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's doing that, but there are flashbacks. And you know what's great? That came from that, you know, from Frank, who's the art director. He's not even part of the story team, but he's so valuable. And he brought that up. And once we do the flashbacks, and then I get into boarding, and I thought, okay, what are the three moments we're going to show? And then the first one, I thought, okay, how about them, you know, doing music together? Because music was so yes. important. And yes. Yes. So, so then once you get that idea, it just kind of, you, you things kind of like snowball and run with it. And they're like, oh, okay, then what if Lucia is playing the guitar? <gasps> What yes. if Lucia's playing Elena's guitar? And yes. now we're yes. the guitar from and it just gets better and better. Oh yeah. And oh. like oh, <laughs> like all I kept thinking when, you know, like listening to this and listening to what you're saying was now that we know, like now that we get it got a glimpse into what Elena what her life, you know, was like before it makes you even angrier when you see Shariki again because you're like, what gave you the right to go in there and destroy that family? Right. What gave you the right to go in there and take away the two people that Elena needed more than anything else? Those, Lucia and Raul, oh my God, they loved both of their Iha, I mean, their daughters so much. And yeah. you went in there and destroyed that family for what? And I don't care what the reason is. You had no right to do that. I mean, she had, Elena had everything. And I'm not talking about like jewels and money and whatever. I mean, she, those flashbacks, I mean, you saw her parents' love for her ran. I mean, it was mutual, obviously, but it ran so deep. And to just go in there and rip them apart and make her a pseudo mommy at 16, she had right. no right to do that. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. And the audience wouldn't care as much unless they knew that it was this deep, very loving relationship. Yeah. Make it that much more dramatic. And the flashbacks just added to that sequence. And it, like, when, and when she was putting the bowl of cherries on the altar, I was expecting a flashback about a cherry, a cherry bite. bite. <laughs> <laughs> right. no. That would have been good. <laughs> yeah, I actually, we're both authors ourselves, and when Becca explained she spun the cherries down, I said, I was like, oh, fanfic idea, I have an idea. Yeah. <laughs> that is great. But, but yeah, I mean, it just, and I mean, the stuff with Armando and the cookies, that was funny, although... If we could be, I mean, we've been honest with you this whole time, but if we could be honest with you and explain what, we'll tell you what we thought would have been, what we would have liked. I mean, sure. I know it doesn't matter in the long run, but I just, you know, I, you said our opinion matters. So, oh, of what, course it does. I, I know, I know, but I mean, just what I thought would have worked out better since she wasn't in the, the episode itself, which we'll get to Issa in a second because I have a couple questions about that. It would have been better, I think, if Issa would have come in and, like, Elena, you know, we we need your help. I can't. 
I, I, I was helping, you know, Abuela make cookies, and you know how she usually gives me one? I didn't get anything. Abuela's <laughs> eating them all. <laughs> been like oh I don't need this but it wouldn't have been so in she wouldn't have sounded so annoyed or looked so annoyed according to Becca because it would have it was her yeah you know it was her Hermana it was you know all tons of purposes her little girl coming in telling her that yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I know that, I mean, yes, they're sisters, but we already went through that. So you know what I mean when I said that, you know, like she's, yeah. she's right. There, so. Yeah. But it would have been, it would have been a little different. It still could have been funny. It, it still yeah. would have been funny <laughs> because it, but, cause like maybe she has her, her jump rope with her go pad, you know, in her hand. And all is like, wait, wait, you didn't try to tie him up to get that. And she's like, no, are you crazy? <laughs> I tried to lasso the cookie. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but um but yeah so let's talk about this scene with her with her parents for a second because the one thing that surprised me out of the whole entire five you know three five minutes she had with them was when you know they come and she's you know surprised and obviously you know like relieved and overjoyed to see them but then you know, we we get the sense that she feels ashamed of herself and feels that she has let them down because, you know, when Lucia is like, you know, what happened? Who did this to you? Who did this to you? Yeah, she's pretty tough, isn't she? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did this. I think I just failed my test. What? What yeah. test? Uh, I was like, wait, 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 what? Back up there? Wait, what test? What the? Right. What is she even doing? I mean, yeah, it's a family show. You don't want to say what she and Rule were doing, but at the same time, <laughs> what the heck was she yeah. doing that she was not watching her EHA? What, what was that all about? There is a big giant test, and of course, I can't reveal what it is. No, That's no, we don't. We don't want to know that. We want to be surprised. But I'm just saying that Lucia had no idea. I was like, really, really, what the? Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. you have Raul. Then you have this. It was only five minutes, but I've got to tell you, Rob, that showed us exactly who was in charge in that familia. And yes, I'm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, obviously they did it as a team and they compromised and there wasn't a dominant over the other. But at the same yeah. time, you get what I'm saying. At the same time, yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. <laughs> because when he's like, yes, that was a rather large one. like, and like, and Lucia, the look. <laughs> the look that she gives him. <laughs> It's hilarious. It's like we are you talking when you get... They balance each other out, don't yes. you? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like we are talking when we get back. And don't even yeah. sit on the couch. Just or whatever. that in one look. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the only other thing when it made that, made that, I mean, that was incredible. And there was nothing, it was like so perfect. The only thing that could have is that... I was hoping that Lucia would call her Elenita as well. That wasn't just her papa's nickname for her. They both did it. So I was surprised that she didn't say any, that she didn't call her that. It was, it was Raul doling out the like the Miha and the Elenita like twice. And I was like, wait, her mama probably called her that too. Let her have something. Well, I think 
and I tell this to my animators all the time, part of the fun of having two characters on the screen at the same time is to show how each one reacts differently to the same situation. Yes. And yeah. it brought up to, well, I mean, for obvious emotional reasons, when Elena first sees Shariki, her reaction to Shariki is going to be different than Naomi's reaction yes. to Shariki. Yes. And part of the fun of putting two characters together at the same time. So even, um, yeah, so the same thing with Raul and Lucia, we have to give them kind of different reactions to show yes. that they're different people. And, you know, yeah. like you're, you're pitching a lot of fun ideas for that, um, that flashback. But yeah, we did have to figure out like, well, let's give a moment that's for <laughs> Lucia. Let's give a moment for Raul. Yeah. And then the, the last moment we can get for both of them. Oh yeah, no, yeah. definitely. And I I love how like, when Lucia's like, you know, what happened to you? Who I thought I was like, oh my gosh, she wants to go out there and beat someone up for hurting her Alanita. I love this woman. Yes. I'm again. Yes. Right. It's yeah. <laughs> and I love how we only got like a, a few minutes with her, but I love how we know, can tell what she was like. Yes. You know, when she was alive. Yes. And, nice. you know, yeah, you only have a, a short amount of time. You got to make that time count. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it was just, you could tell that she loved her. That she, I mean, she still does, but I just meant that you could tell that she would do anything you know for her and i don't mean fix her problems for her she she strikes me as a type of parent that would say okay how do you fix this i'll help you but i won't do it for you which is good because you, you know that that helps them grow it helps them learn but at the same time when she if she ever was in dire circumstances she did not have to be elena did not have to be afraid to go and tell them okay i need your help i messed up so many kids today have that fear i had that fear when i was growing up about telling my papa stuff that i messed up on whether it yeah. was a test whether it was in a relationship like i i didn't grow up stable like elena did i grew up in a very broken shaken um environment so to see that she had that foundation gave me hope because like i said so many kids today don't have that and right. it was just nice to see that she did, that she, yes, she was fearing their disappointment, but she wasn't fearing their love being conditional. She could say, I messed up, and they would still love her. Right, yeah. Isn't that an important element to the character, to, to yes. show that she's not just perfect and always makes the right choices, because then how do we relate to somebody like that? But you we don't. can relate to somebody who makes mistakes, but then... What's great and, and inspiring about Elena is that she's she has the um, integrity to uh, claim her mistakes and own them. Yeah. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Like, for example, in Rome of the Jacklands, Miss, oh, I did this, 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 and this. We love the song. But I was thinking, Elena, honey, you did that. You got help with that. You got help with that. They are not going to be happy with you. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. No, I mean, I... We both, I mean, we call Elena a family show. We don't call it because it's so much more. I mean, anyone yeah. can watch it and learn something from it. And the, what you guys are doing proves that you are not letting the network bully you, that you are saying, okay, we were showing this story. Yes, we're going to follow your guidelines, but not so cautiously that we do not tell a compelling story for everyone, not for yeah. older kids, for their families, for the younger ones who might be watching. But at the same time, it's this is not geared towards little kids. It's not geared towards five-year-olds. It's geared towards a 10 and 12 year olds and up who are trying to find their way 
Yeah. Well, yeah, we're going for everybody. And I, you know, when I was a kid, I loved movies. Well, I, I keep mentioning Superman. I loved that there was things that were kind of slightly over my head that I didn't fully understand because it just, it made it seem rich and complex. And I was still compelled. And, and there was enough there that were big, giant story moments that I could get as a kid. So with Elena, yeah, we, we want to tell things that are, you know, the big moments we're hoping that everybody can understand. And with that is stuff that is complex enough to keep everyone interested and not, not just the little ones, but anybody of any age that can relate to it. Yeah. And going back to Rise of the Sorceress for a minute. Yeah. Um, what, what you did with, with the dance and having Christina included and right. just the compassion that Elena showed Right, and I, I, I hope we didn't have Elena even talking down to her. Elena was just, no. you know, being very inspirational. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, she could have gotten angry because this was the fifth time, and instead she knelt down, you know, and she was like, Christina, the last time Issa and I did this dance was with our parents. Let me tell right. you a little secret. I didn't get all the steps right the first time I did the dance either, but my father is proud of me for trying. Just like your father is proud of you now. Will you do it? You made it very relatable. Yes, yes, yeah. she did. And and the fact that she, you know, you know, was in front of Christina's chair, yes. you know, kneeling down, that was I've heard um, you know, that that is very accurate. It is. It that was not. very deliberate too, because you don't, you know, you know, always when you're staging stuff, there's all kinds of things you're taking into consideration to to communicate. You know, if a character is larger in frame than one character, that's communicating something. If a character is standing and they're taller than the other character, that's communicating something. So if Elena was standing and delivering this message down to her, that's speaking down to her, yeah, and it, it's that's not, not right. She wouldn't do that. No. Right. It's not no. showing humility. Elena is willing to show humility. She's willing to get down to the same level um, to see eye to eye with somebody. Yeah. 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 And that's what's going to make her an extraordinary queen. Yes. Right. Yes. And she's already an extraordinary crown princess. Yes. And is doing an incredible job ruling. Yeah. So back to Naomi for a second, because we love her too. We don't, we, I mean, we love Elaine and we love Isa, but we yes. love Naomi. And yes, we Naomi. were discussing, we were discussing this right after the episode Rise of the Sorceress aired. I interrupted me. I'm sorry. Um, okay. That Naomi's reaction excuse me, to seeing Shariki, we hope that it lasts. Like we hope that there's some problems that she has that stem from seeing her best friend's killer for all intents and purposes, you know, yeah. the person who wanted to murder her best friend, that's going to do stuff to her. And we hope you guys don't yeah. gloss that over. Well, absolutely. And, you know, a little bit like I was saying earlier, you, you show two characters on the screen so they can have different reactions. <laughs> a yeah. lot of Elena, the way her whole value system is based on, you know, her philosophy in life is being very positive. And so she assumes that that's how everybody is. Everybody's positive because I'm positive. Mm -hmm. And that gives um, Naomi a chance to be, well, maybe, you know, maybe she's more realistic. Maybe she's a little bit more like we are where she can be cynical. But yeah, yeah. it does show there's room in the world for positivity, but you do have to be a little bit cynical to protect yourself. Yeah. So it's a good thing that Elena has a friend like that because, you know, she can warn her from certain things that I think Elena would just um, go in 
you know, it could appear to be naive. It's not naive. It's just that she expects the best in people because yes. she always be her best. Yes. But, yeah. yeah. But that, that could lend to, to her to getting hurt or expose her to danger. So it's a good thing that she has a friend like Naomi who can represent the other side and be a little bit more, um, I guess, I guess the word cynical. Yeah. 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 And she, um, when she pulls her off that stage, I was like, honey, you better catch her because you do not want it. That was, that was just really yeah. wrong. What oh, are you doing? Oh, my, was that stage? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because, like, she pulls her off and she's like, huh? And I was like, okay, you better, you better catch her, have your hand around her waist. Not, you know, like, around her waist or her back, kind of like, you're like, okay. No, because I had an experience in high school where I fell off a stage. I was oh, no. on the, I was on the second to top riser of the of um I was in chorus and I was on the second top riser and someone they weren't being mean they weren't they weren't bullying they were just trying to get their position and they put and they pretty much stepped back too far and I fell and oh, no. I thank God I landed on my feet I, by the grace of God that's the only way I can that's the only that's the only person who stopped me from actually falling and getting hurt. And yeah. it just, I, like, when she did that, I was like, oh, crap. I was like, no, I was, I didn't have a, I, I was good, but I was just like, okay, yeah, whoa, okay, you better catch her. Yeah. But, no, I, Rise of the Sorceress, we've seen it so, like, I think I've watched it, like, 24 times. Me oh, too. Me too. A lot of work, so I'm glad you, you watch and There's a lot of details in there. Everything's yes. very different. And we can we switch over to the dark side for like a couple minutes because I want we want to talk to you about Victor because yes he is what the heck went wrong with him because from King of Carnival to Romola Jacqueline's to Jewel of Maru he just became a wuss. And now it's yeah. Carla we have to worry about. Like, she's the one who uh, I think is going to turn out to pretty much be, like, I, the the one that is Elena's going to have problems with. Yeah, Carla's kind of uh, <laughs> a <laughs> isn't she? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Victor is funny because when he was first introduced, he was really kind of like a foil to Esteban. You know, they're, yeah, he was they're, a they're about the same age and they're rivals to each other. Um, but then, you know, he takes a darker turn, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he does. And I, like, in, um, in Jewel of Maru, when he was, like, flipping out about going to Tepin Mool, I was like, okay, this is not the same guy that we saw in yeah. Rome of the Jacqueline's. Right. And Rachel explained to us when we interviewed her that things have happened with, to him that we don't see that are going to come to play in her episode next month. So I'm curious to see what's going on. Like, what happened to make him do 180? Yeah, yeah. And how he can kind of be pushed around a little bit. And um, there's a, a lot of, very, I think, very interesting twists and turns with these characters coming up. They, they play very prominent roles in the, in the series uh, going forward. And I love how in Scepter of Night that we see Victor and Fierro fighting like two fourth graders. I found that hilarious. It was hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it is fun when you take, like, grown-up characters that I like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I do have a visual question. Yeah. Um, about Rise of the Sorcerers, about the battle. So yeah. we know that it starts on when Shriki is there at the top of the stairs. Right. 
but we then smoke is the first uh, clue that she was coming down. Yeah, yeah, but then after she, you know, shoots off her wand and they, um, and she and Elena and Naomi are thrown backwards. Right. Um, then they try to get away. Then where in the where in the palace are they? Because I was really confused on where they were. Yeah, one thing, you know, in boarding that sequence that did make it a little complicated is, you know, I always try to my best to make it as clear and clean as possible. And if a character is coming in from screen left and the other characters are coming in from screen right, I try to maintain that, you know, consistency. That's just what I was raised watching. Yeah. Um, the little wrinkle in that was... You know, Elena and Naomi had gone around a little corner and were hiding in a corridor, and mm -hmm. then they had to run a different direction, and that required a new camera setup. And it did it did flop where their exit was going. I, I would have loved it if their exit was going the opposite way, but it ended up their exit was going the same way that the sequence started. And that was, you know, you just kind of, you get painted in little corners as you're boarding the sequence and trying to make it clear. And, yeah. Uh, Sometimes your camera setup has to adjust if all the, sometimes I call it, you're moving your chess pieces around. When you're moving the right, character yeah. in are different spots, then it requires the camera setup to be a little bit different and you don't always get um, exactly what you want. And, you know, it's done like so quickly. Um, you know, I wonder if we would have, if we would have been able to smooth it out more had we had more time or it just might've been kind of a little puzzle where, you know, we were gonna have to choose what's in our left hand and what's in our right hand. And I think right. where we probably the best we could have done, uh, considering all the chess pieces that, and how they had to be moved around. Yeah, so so it's not, so we're not for sure like where they are in the palace at, as the battle is continuing. Like, oh, as, I was hoping it was clear because they're in the, the main foyer with that okay. um, chandelier that's above. But I think what made it, you know, because there's a, there's a stairway, like when you enter the palace, you have the big, right, you have the big entrance, the big entrance door, and then you're looking yeah. at the stairway. Mm -hmm. So it's really simple, right? But, you know, they're coming, and, and Elena and Naomi are coming from the doorway, and uh, Shariki's coming down the stairway. So that's all very simple. It's yeah. the, the hard part was when uh, Naomi and, and Elena ducked down that little corridor. There's, yeah. there's these little side corridors that have columns that kind of separate it from the main foyer. Mm -hmm. And just mm -hmm. them going there and running and then Shariki coming from the other side behind them and then trying to zap them. That's where it got a little challenging to stage it clearly. Yeah, and then when, when Mateo throws Elena her scepter, right. they're back by the stairs, I think. Right, because they had run down that little corridor Shariki rounded around the corner, zapped him, but then they jumped, they leaped back into the main foyer. No, so that put him okay. back near the stairway again. And then when uh, Figuero, when he um, put his wand towards the ceiling and that, is it a chandelier? Uh-huh, yeah. Broke, okay, okay. Um, I was just wondering, I have, um, I have pretty good vision, um, okay. but at the time that this episode aired, yeah. I, my vision was actually not that great. I, um, I was actually seeing the world through wax paper. 
Um, terrible, but I'm glad to hear it's improved. Up, up until um, a recent surgery that I had about a month ago. Yeah. No, two months ago, almost two months ago. Um, and uh, so I, I, I watched this episode, you know, through through that haze and uh yeah. so, th so some of the details are a little <laughs> yeah well i'm glad to hear this last surgery uh made an impact that it's that it's improving yeah it's i um had a year ago um i had cataract surgery oh, and okay. i have uh retinopathy retinopathy prematurity mm -hmm. rop yeah we oh, both have, okay. have that and so when you have any type of surgery, you know, any type of trauma, yeah, and you have something done to your eye that's already been traumatized, there yeah, are and I had a lot of complications from cataract surgery that uh, took a year to resolve. Yeah. Um. So oh, and um, if you ever want to experience um watching an episode in audio descriptive um yeah. so maru is actually available in audio descriptive oh great great yes. i gotta check it yeah yes i'm it so happy with that and i'll tell you something about the, the other thing about that episode the very beginning when they went on that magical obstacle course all i kept thinking was oh harry potter task one three i mean task three three point oh avalor style <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is a little bit of Harry Potter, I guess, in, in Mateo's uh, yeah. wizard, wizardry. No, it's yeah. fine. It's cool. I just It was just a nice, you know, compliment because I we love HP, and I, I could figure that out not even having to, having to see what was going on, but I, you know, obviously I heard what Zuzo was saying, and I was getting in my mind. I was like, oh, yeah, they're, they're okay, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's kind of you know the, one of the fun things about Elena is there's all these different elements from from different things that we all love and they all get thrown into one show. So you yeah. get like princess, you get songs, you get action sequences. I love Indiana Jones, so you get you get um, shows where Gekko Elena Sale. goes right. Gekko 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 Gekko. Yeah, and that's very Indiana Jones. Um, but yeah, we get comedy and, and we get the songs and then we yeah. get a little Harry Potter kind of stuff going on. Yeah. So for me. It, no. Yeah, we loved Gecko's Tale. The only thing missing was Rescue Mission. That was the only yeah. thing missing. The song. Yeah. You know about Rescue Mission. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so funny because, again, yeah, that was my show when I got it. I was like, oh, my God, this is like an Indiana Jones adventure. I told all my board artists, watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. Watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> like Indiana Jones. So we boarded it, and um, Robert Souza did a fantastic job boarding the song. And I pushed it so Indiana Jones, we in our, in our little, um, I, I mentioned how we make the animatic, how we put the, the editor edit together. Even the editor said, oh, hey, I lifted some music from Raiders of the Lost Ark to put as, as temporary music so we can get yeah. the feel of the show. <laughs> and then showed it to the Disney executives, and their, their first note was, hmm, this is a little puzzling. This feels like an Indiana Jones adventure, but then it has a song in it. And I was like, uh-oh, what are they going to say about that? And then they said, you know what? Let's just go with the Indiana Jones thing, and we'll we'll cut the song out of this. Aww. And part of me was like, well, I'm gosh, I'm I'm kind of honored. I have the only uh, episode of Elena that has no song. 
But then I told my 16-year-old daughter, I was driving her to school that day, and I said, you know, they pulled the song out of one of my episodes. I'm going to have the only show that doesn't have a song in it. And my Aww. daughter said, but, but Daddy, the song is usually the best part. Oh. <laughs> oh, you are blessed. You are blessed to have her. Oh my gosh. That, oh, they made the worst decision there. I will tell you yeah. because we love sister duets. Those are our favorite. Well, those duets and the Naomi and Elias duets are our two favorite songs besides when they sing, obviously, solo and stuff. But sister duets, they're our, our first favorite duet that has been done on there. It fix anything? Yeah. Oh my gosh, we love it. And it was boarded fantastically. The song was recorded and everything. So we are kind of hoping, you know, we do. Um, you've seen that we have these shorts that are on Disney Channel yes. occasionally. Yes. Yes. So we're hoping that maybe we can resurrect it as one of those shorts, but we'll see. Oh, we we don't know. That would be incredible. That would be awesome. That would, I would be love so it. cool. Do you know if any new... Um, Musica, if any new songs are coming in July or August for Elena, because we've been waiting for, we feel like we've been waiting forever. And yeah. I've been waiting forever too. I love to take a little screen grab from my show and then blast it out on Twitter and everything that, hey, everybody, I have a new episode. And it's been forever since the show has aired. Oh, we, know, we know it's going to come back. We know it's coming back in July with um, Race for the Realm, Tale of Two Scepters, and Classic, but we're wondering about actual soundtracks and singles, like so like songs. Is what we're you know, talking about. I think I'm just like you. I have to hear about it. I, I'm not part yeah. of the music department. I, I was just know. curious. We were just curious just because it's been since September since they released anything. Yeah. They released that short little like six, seven track album in September with Make Them Proud a little bit more hand in hand. I, yeah. I've i got it down. You can't, you can't catch me. And that was it for like till now and then we had the and the, well we had the two oh, oh yeah the, yeah and the two navidad songs in december which we love cannot get enough of they are awesome we were trying to yeah. figure out who's leaving in that episode maybe we yeah. don't we don't want to know don't say anything but all i'm saying yeah. is that i have a feeling whoever it is when we find out we're gonna be like we didn't want to know this yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, and I hear you about the music. Everybody at work is the same way. We're all drawing every day. We all love Elena. We're also invested in this show, and so when those songs come out, we even get it. And we, as a crew, we like to have them on our computers so we can listen to them while we work. That yeah. is so yeah. awesome to hear. It, I'm sure. Does your I know you said your daughter's 16, so maybe she. I mean, then again, like I said, it's for everybody, but everyone has different tastes. Does she like the music? Does she has she watched every once in a while, like the show every once in a while? Oh, she watches it with me every time there's a new episode. Aww. And I, I son's fourteen, and he's he'll even watch it. Um, it's a big event when we have a new so episode. Sweet. We you know Aww. make a big deal out of watching them together. That's so cool. Well, I love next, it. Next new episode is July fourteenth. Yes. So, okay, good yeah, to know. Race for the round. No. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So, any are you working on any other pro? You mentioned something about Carmen. Is that Carmen? We're in the world of Carmen San Diego, or is that something else? Oh no! See, um, okay. So, I, I when I mentioned I was a traditional animator and I worked on Pocahontas and Hercules and Tarzan, all the yeah, yeah. you know, would draw them on paper. Yeah. And I loved it. And it was when that era ended. It was heartbreaking. We yes. you had a whole studio of people that were like me that. We grew up watching these Disney classics. We all wanted to do it when we grew up. 
you finally get there and it's just euphoric. It, it was, it's indescribably, you're indescri indescribably happy. We all loved it. And then Toy Story came out and kind of changed everything and everything was going computer yeah. and we were all losing our jobs. And eventually I lost my job. I worked all the way till the end of that era, which was, you know, I worked on, like I said, Tarzan, Hercules, Fantasia 2000, uh, Atlantis. The last one I got to work on was Home on the Range with, with the cows. And then they were just, you know, everyone was getting their end day. We were, we were having to start a new journey in life. So I asked Disney, can I buy my desk? I want my, my animation desk. It means a lot to me. And they, they let me buy it, and I took it home, and I have it. It's right next to me right now. And what I'll do is I stay up. I work on Elena all day, and then I come home. I hang out with my family for a few hours, and then when they go to sleep, I tiptoe to my studio and I still do hand-drawn animation. Oh. And, um, uh, because I've mentioned Superman several times, I, I did a hand-animated Superman short called Superman Classic. I got a friend, John Newton, who played Superboy on TV in the 80s. He's my friend now. He did the voice of Superman for my cartoon. And I posted it on YouTube, so please look up Superman Classic. And then I made a follow-up with his villain, Bizarro Classic. Awesome. And then later on, I still wanted to do this kind of, I, I love that kind of World War II era. That's the, the kind of Superman mm -hmm. I showed with Art Deco buildings and mm -hmm. 1930s architecture. I wanted to kind of stay in that in that world, so I did a Flash Gordon one that had all old-fashioned Art Deco ray guns. And um, Eric Johnson, who played Flash Gordon on the Sci-Fi Channel about 10 years ago, did The Voice. So I, I still do these cartoons on my own. And when I mentioned Carman, Carman's one where I'm like, well, you know, I should, at some point, I got to stop doing cover songs and I got to do original tracks. And I live here in Los Angeles and I get road, um, I feel like I'm a pretty even tempered guy, but I get road rage. <laughs> and so I made this cartoon about a guy who just gets road rage and he does all the things that we wish we could do, yeah. but we're smart enough to do them. Yeah. He's not smart. He does them. <laughs> so. Can you say if you can't say this, it's perfectly fine. We're just I'm we're just curious. Can you yeah. tell us anything about any what's your maybe just a title if you can do it? I don't want to get you in trouble, so don't worry. You don't like I said, no pressure. But do you have another Elena episode coming up that you worked on? Oh, several. I mean, so many. We are just working so hard, and that's why it's funny when when we look up and we're like, they haven't aired it in a while. We are cranking. We are making so many episodes. And I'm, I'm right now, just at this given time, I have, I have two of them that are in storyboard. I have two of them are, that are in animatic. Okay. I have two that are in rough animation coming back to me. So I'm juggling six episodes of Elena. Wow. Almost at any given time. So we're just making as many as we can. How do you, we can. are you assigned to what, do, how do you know what episodes you're going to be working on? Right, so I have a my I have a supervising director named Elliot Bohr, and mm -hmm. underneath El, Elliot kind of oversees everything, and then under him is me and um, Nate Chu, and Nate and I split the episodes, so I get half of them and Nate gets the other half, and okay. usually you know we would try when a season would start we'd go oh, okay well well I'm getting show 201 you know that means season two show one i'm getting 201 so nate will get 202 and that means i'm probably going to get all the odd number ones and nate will get all the even numbered ones mm -hmm. but then you know that's that's how we go in but then you know there's always something that that throws a, a wrench in the in the whole works like maybe a script needed more notes from the executives and it got held up 
and then now I get a, I get one of the um, even numbered ones. Right. So they kind of will will, will shift, <laughs> but that's generally how it goes. So I'll get um, everything I described to you. I, I'll work on my script, try to iron out any little tiny things that I can. Um, have the storyboard artist do it. It goes into animatic. While I'm doing that, Nate is doing that on his show, so his show can be going while my show is going. Right. Mm-hmm. And then what's fun is when a when an episode is done, it's kind of a one. You know, we have meetings all the time, but one of my favorite meetings is we call it a playback, where it's like, all right, Rob, well your show is all done. It's in color. We've added the sound effects. The music is in. And we're all going to sit and watch it as a team and see uh, the final, final, final finished episode. Awesome. And that's great because that's when I get to see Nate's episodes. I get to be kind of an Elena fan and see what I did work on. So you guys get popcorn now? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So did you work on Class Act? No, that's one of Nate's Nate's shows. Oh, cool. He gets all the Easter ones. No kidding. Yeah, Nate's got some good ones, and he's got some great ones coming up. Awesome. I think my, I won't even say the title because I don't want to get in trouble. He's got one coming up that's so good. I was so jealous when he got the Aww. script because it read so well. And then I've now, because um, Nate never really did animation, so I'll kind of visit the um, our animation studios and try to help the animators along. And when I would sit with them at their desk, I saw a lot of this episode that I'm talking about. That's Nate's episode. Oh. And it, it animated so great. It's so charming. It's so funny. And it, it will make you cry. It's so oh. good. So awesome. he's, he's got some good ones coming awesome. up and a real Is it for two coming or three? Up. I'm pretty sure you mean two. In, in which season, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, that one is a season two episode. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So it's yeah. coming soon. I've seen it in animation, so it's not that far along from being finished. Yes! Awesome! awesome. Yeah, just oh have the quick switch. So are you uh, guys working on season two now? Or three? Well, so season two is, um, as far as our job of making the animatic and sending it out to be animated, we're, we're done with the season two shows. Now, I'm, I'm pretty deep into season three, and I've seen a little bit of... Um, it's called layout, meaning they the the computer animators have taken the animatic, and they want to do um, you know instead of drawings now they have the little sets in the computer and they want to put the camera where it belongs and capture the um, the, the computer set where yeah. it's going to look. So I've seen it and I've seen um, a little bit of three hundred one in layout. Wow. Is that yeah. one of the ones that says previously on Elena Babler? Craig already told us. I'm not asking you something you can't answer. Because he, he explained something like that to us in his interview where he said 301, 302, and 304. I think it was go together. So there, Yeah, there are a few that, that, that you know we are calling serialized uh, stories. Yeah. So we, we are putting... Um, and now, you know, I have so many, like I said, I have six at any given time. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you the numbers oh, or anything. Oh, It doesn't matter. I was just curious. Uh, but yeah. there are quite a few episodes where you're going to hear previously on Elena of Avalor, and you get yeah. you get a little yes. cap of all that you need and to I know. And I love how I love how Amy does it differently for different ones. Like sometimes she's happy, sometimes obviously like um, shapeshifters. It's very it's very low key. Like you know, it's it's not it's like very sad because obviously what happened before. Like I love how she has the talent of doing that of letting us know what we're getting into, like giving us different tones. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It's just incredible. What a, what a talent. Yeah, yeah. she's she's she, awesome. She is awesome. I mean, I 
I have a hard time believing that this is her first voiceover job because. Wow, I didn't even realize that. She is so good. I, I would have yeah. never guessed. She's incredible. <laughs> I know. I mean, did you ever think of maybe auditioning to be a character in an episode, like an upcoming episode, like even if it's a minor or someone, you know, because you'd be great. Your voice is great for it. Oh, you're so nice to say that. Um, I mean, God, I, that's a whole new world. I, I, I wouldn't know. I do that when we're when we're making our animatic. There are times where we feel like, oh, shoot, I didn't get this story point across. You know what would help if, if Gabe said this line right here? That would make it really clear. So that's called just adding a little scratch dialogue. Okay. And I'll do that all the time. I add, you know, scratch dialogue into our into our shows. And then <laughs> um, and then for my own dumb little cartoons, I do the I do the voice of Carman in my Carman cartoon. Oh, cool. Oh, they're probably not dumb. Yeah. You worked hard so on that. You. They're not dumb. It's oh, well, well, thank you. But no, I mean, so now let's, uh, there's one other thing and we won't keep you much longer. I'm so sorry because I don't know what your time frame is or what you're doing or whatever. But when in um, in Scepter of Night, when the, when Victor and Fierro are fighting over the, uh, the, the staff or the, the bottom half, the, the, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the. yeah the hands or whatever. Um, I was thinking to myself watching this like before Becca, because we watch these separately and then we watch them together. And then yeah, we watch them I together watch it separately again. So, that, so that I can, you know, because I only see out of one eye. Yeah. Uh, and I don't see, you know, that great out of, you know, my good eye. I mean, I can see pretty well, but not that great. And I have to, you know, hold my i i watch it on my ipad and i have and i've been having to do that actually um since my surgery because what people don't tell you when you don't have vision for a while and then you get it back is that first off the world is very bright second motion is an issue oh really okay yeah yeah, um, and so for a while, Elena was actually the only show that I could watch that didn't make me sick. Oh, okay, good. Well, we try to, you know, I just even artistically, I'm not a huge fan of these weird, like, shaky camera or moving the camera for no reason. I, yeah. I grew up on Spielberg movies where, you know, it's the camera is motivated to move if it's going to follow something or it's motivated to cut. If somebody looks and they see something off camera, we need to cut to see what they see. Um, we try to tell the stories very, very clear, and I'm glad that it's uh, helped you be able to watch it. Yeah, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm having to, like, watch it on my iPad because the watching on the big TV right now is just a little too much. Right. Um, but I I try, I watch it by myself, and I'm sorry, Lauren, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No. Um, I watch it by myself so that I can get as much detail right. as I can, and it takes me, it takes me a long time to get, you know, a lot of the detail. Like, I have to watch it several times, but I, right. like... Being able to describe it to Lauren and, and go, okay, especially the songs, especially, right. you know, um, because the rest of the show, I mean, you know, like we were talking about descriptive dialogue, you know, yeah. um, but the songs and I really try to, you know, go, okay, now this line, she's doing this, this, she's doing, you know, so I do, I, I like to watch it a couple times by myself, just right. 
and so you that do, I can you do a fantastic trabajo meal. You do a fantastic Aww. job. Thank you. So, and Rob, sorry for all the Spanish, but you know, I, <laughs> I love my language. And I am going to be so happy when you have a land to speak more of it. I like yeah. that. If I could pick, if I, I had one little nitpick, and you know, this whole time I've been praising, I've been truthfully praising and showering her with, that would be the only thing that ruffled me a little bit was that she doesn't speak enough of her native language. I, you know what? I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm, I, I'm married to a Latina. Her family comes from Ecuador and, um, my wife's, uh, first language is Spanish. And I, I agree with you. I wish there was more Spanish in it. It could be a thing that's over my head that I don't even know what's going about Disney strategy. It could be any, yeah. any number of reasons. I mean, cause but, Amy can do it. She's fluent. I've heard her. She can, right? she can, Amy's fluent in it. That's her. She can do it. There's no, yeah. there's, you know, and a lot of the we cast do, members can. Yeah. Yeah. And we do get in the script sometimes where we'll record the actor saying the line both ways, like, like saying, well, I love you because you're my brother or I love you because you're my hermano. And I'm always pushing for the Spanish version if we can get it in. See, thank you. Yeah, see, I knew I liked you. See, see, I knew this was going to be cool. So, sorry, so back to what I was saying really about the Scepter of Night. I was thinking to myself, watching that alone, I was like, obviously I don't want Shriki to win in the end, but what I am hoping for, and there's a method to why I'm saying this, there's a reason. I'm hoping she at least gets one of the pieces for at least a while because that will make Elena work all that my all, ten times harder to retrieve it and to actually complete the mission if she knows there's one that's out of reach and there's a potential possibility that she could use it even if it's not fully formed. And then of right. course then of course then you have the whole the possibility of yeah she can use it but it probably will get busted because those Victor and Friere can be throwing it back and forth like idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You said I can hold it. Well it's not your turn yet. Well you said I could. Both of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean it just because I mean like I said, it's not believe me, I, I don't I Shuriki is not like I dislike her very strongly, but I just mean for Elena, you know, for Elena to 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 have that extra motivation. I think it'd be interesting if in Race for the Realm, she needs to choose between either one of her friends' lives and the mount, or one of the ja one of the babies' lives and the mount. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course, I can't say any spoilers. I know. I, I know. I, I wasn't. Don't worry. That I wasn't fishing. I was just. I was just telling yeah. you my own, you know, theory and like my own idea as far as what I thought would work. With several pieces, there's several different things that can happen. Yeah. So, yeah. What's, what have your favorite episodes been? Like, have you and do your and your and your e or your daughter have one that you love or one that she loves or one that you like? Is there one that resonated with you? There's definitely, I mean, like you work as hard as you can on all of them. And I, I, I'm, I can, I'm so lucky to say I'm proud of every single episode I've done. The ones that do stand out a little bit just because they, you know, tug at certain tastes of mine are, are um, Gecko's Tale because it is such an Indiana Jones adventure. And um, it was great because Tony Morales is probably sick and tired of me bringing up the name John Williams all the time. John Williams, John Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I love his sport. 
but he did um, for that Gecko's Tale. He did bring in some new. He's like, well, I took a listen to the Raiders soundtrack, and I did bring in some new instruments that I don't normally use, and I love that soundtrack. It's so good. Me too. So that's one that stands out um, yes. a lot for me. Um, in season one, that uh, My Fair Naomi, I thought came across as really charming. I loved um, maybe because I'm a, a dad with a daughter. I kind of love that, um, you know, even though it was, it, it was Esteban turning Naomi kind of evil, I did like yeah. together. I, I really thought was in a charming way. The song I thought was really incredibly touching. Um, so those two stand out. And then Jewel of Maru, of course, for all the reasons we discussed. Okay. And because I love Bugs Bunny, I, uh, <laughs> there's one where we did, where, you know, El, the Curse of El Guapo, where Gabe got yep. this enchanted sword that turned him into this real machismo jerk but um he he did a lot of bugs bunny funny things in that one um, mm-hmm. so that one stands out as one that i'm really happy with does but there's your, so many love them all does your eha have a favorite one does your daughter have a favorite one you know i'll have to ask her that's a good question i'm gonna ask her um after after we yeah. speak no we're almost done i'm sorry i was just curious because i'm glad that she likes it because i mean when i'll explain why we're quickly because when i was growing up when I reached a certain age, like my parents were like, okay, you got to give Disney up. It's you're too old for it, blah, 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 blah. But I never did. And I feel like that was important, but the way they made me feel for loving it, even into my teens, I felt like there was something wrong with me until, <laughs> until I realized, wait, no. Cause I had friends who liked it too. And they obviously they were the same age. So I was like, wait, wait, there's nothing wrong. And it, it like, I just didn't, I I finally started hiding that because who wants to be criticized by people who are supposed to love you, them thinking that they, that, that something's wrong with you because you love something or something is helping you navigate a world that wasn't made for you. You, you know, that that's hurtful. So I just, you know, so I'm, I have, I pretty much. I'm applauding you for letting her be her and loving her as is and just saying, okay, I won't shame you for this. This is awesome. You have, that's no problem. You know, I'll, I'll step into that world with you and enjoy what you enjoy because I want to get to know who you are. It's great. Yeah. I love it. I mean, she shows me all of her little Disney channel movies and we watch them together. And Aww. even though 16, she still loves like the, um, Halloween town movies. I love so we Halloween town. Oh my God. She's speaking my language. <laughs> I love, I don't care. I grew up with it. I love it. It's amazing. It's so sweet. And it's, it's that that's back when Disney, I mean, Elena excluded, we're excluding our girl from that because she's amazing. Yeah. But other than our girl, that's what we call her sometimes. It's Disney. Other than the lane and other than one or two other things, it's gone downhill. Because I remember, like you said, Halloween Town, Xenon is another one I love. All three yeah. of them. Me um, too. Brink, <laughs> um, Genius, they're, you know, Smart House, all of those, they were good quality. The Color of Friendship was amazing. I mean, they were good quality, thought-provoking movies that weren't just for escape. They really taught you something. Right. And now they're not doing that anymore. I mean, they might be trying, but they're not hitting the mark. And yeah, we always got to try. We'll keep no, no, trying. No, you, no, you guys are hitting it fine. Not you. You're, you're excluded <laughs> from this. I mean, I mean the channel overall. Not you guys. You guys are great. Oh yeah, and I, I guess maybe when I said we're trying, I guess maybe I'm speaking for the channel. You know, Disney is always trying their best, and they always have access to the best talent. And um, yeah. of course, you know, going to hit bigger than other things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but with the with the um, idea that they're going to keep going, there's always the promise that the the next one's going to be great. Oh yeah, and uh, so so yeah. before we end, is there anything that you can talk about that you're doing now? Like not a, not Elena specifically, but like any upcoming projects that you're working on that you can let people know about that you think they might enjoy, like animated or live action or even books or anything. Yeah, so there's definitely Carman is a big giant one, and then um, there's a, a pop artist in England named Des Taylor, and we've been um, collaborating together on. Hopefully, we'll, we'll become a graphic novel, and maybe I'll even animate it um, about. It's a, it's in that World War II era that I love, um, called um, Eva Strongbird and the Marine, and it's awesome. uh, it's kind of an adventure, but with a love story, and it's something that's um, with the backdrop of an epic. Um, setting of World War II, and it's an American, and it's a Brit, wow. like like Des and I are an American and a Brit. Really excited about that. It's taking its time because I really want to crack the story. Okay. And then I feel um, with Carman, I'm you know it's not maybe getting as much attention as I'd like because of course I'd like it to be huge. And it made me think about like the Beatles. What did the Beatles do on their early records? They would have like they would have a cover song, so they would get people to buy the record to hear Twist and Shout. But then they have the Glenn McCartney tracks on there. Mm -hmm. So I've been giving a lot of thought lately. I've been wanting to do this for years. And I'm thinking, well, with Carman, I should probably mix in a little cover tune. So I'm giving serious thought to doing um, an Indiana Jones um, animated piece. Um, oh, cool. And I love Indiana Jones, so it would be super fun to do. Yeah. That is so cool. The one thing about Elena, and then we'll we'll end. I'm sorry, we're keeping you from anything, but um, the oh oh, I love we love talking with you too. This is amazing, and you you're an amazing person, and you've done oh. a really awesome job on Elena. You oh. really have. Oh yes, yes. So oh, when. Basically, I the one thing the one of the many things I'm looking forward to, and Craig did say this would happen. It's a general thing. It's not anything spoiler or anything like that, as far as like anything specific in episodes. Yeah. It's just like a general ongoing thing that I'm yeah. going to mention. And it's that Elena is going to start to grapple with the fact that she that she witnessed her parents murder and it's going to start she's going to have to start unraveling that and starting to have to deal with that and to be able to heal from it and i want to tell you that i am so grateful we both are that yeah. you are going to do this and do it spectacularly because it can help a lot of people because oh, there's yeah. such the stigma around any kind of trauma issue, any kind of thing you have to work through, anything that I mean, I'm I'm living it. I mean, so is Becca. I mean, yeah, it's just like our well. I don't want to say anything bad about your parents. I would never. They're, they're cool people. Becca, don't worry. But like my papa, I love him pieces, but he just doesn't get it. And he will say things like, oh, you know, it's been four years. Aren't you over that by now? Or you need to let it go or you need to stop letting it take over your life. And I'm thinking, that's not how this works. I would give anything to not be triggered at a grocery store. I would give anything to be able to go to the doctor and have a normal, healthy dose of anxiety like any, you know, like normal people. Well, not normal. I'm sorry. That was the wrong way of saying that. But you know what I mean. People who aren't, who didn't have those experiences I have, but I can't. And it's not my fault. And I've landed to thank for that. No, no, no. I mean, to thank for helping me to realize that it's not my fault. That it's not something to be ashamed about. You know, that I can work through it. You know, find the chance to do this and come out a stronger person. 
Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm glad that you have this attitude. It's very fulfilling to hear that this work has touched you in this way. Yeah, it's it's touched me, too. Oh, yeah. And it, it, it has actually... Elena has, has brought Lauren and I closer. And... Yeah. Like through, you know, we, our friendship grew through this, through watching this show and experiencing it together and then starting the podcast together. And uh, great. So something beautiful came of it. And you know, yeah. it's great. You know, um, we all, everybody, every, we all share this human experience together. We're all born with certain challenges and there are personalities like I have family members, um, who look taking a risk and working hard and putting your soul out there to be crushed is scary and yeah. a lot of people will use a setback as an excuse to like well i'm not going to try because i have this excuse i'm off the hook and i never wanted to live that way i never no. wanted to have that crutch i want to no. go for what i want to go after and i think that you girls share the same attitude i think we're cut from the same cloth and i'm very inspired that you're even you know you're doing this podcast you found something that you're passionate about and you're not like saying oh i hey i have an excuse to check out what what then what kind of life is that like who wants to check out you're you're still going for stuff and you're very inspiring to me and i'm so honored to meet you Oh, thank you. Yeah, I I mean I'm I'm about to thank you publish a book and right on that I've been working on for two years and it actually it has a character that is visually impaired like myself. Yeah. Uh, because we need more accurate representation of characters with disabilities, you know, like Christina, like Princess Cassandra. Um, who is Disney's, I don't know. First if you blind watched. princess. She's amazing. First blind princess. She's, she's Disney's first blind princess. Yeah. Yes, uh, everybody, we all need something to aspire to. We need people that can, you know, make us believe in ourselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm working on a book, too, and it's sort of like a therapeutic project. But I want to, obviously, I want to get it out there in like yeah. a year or so. But I'm working on one as well that also has a blind uh, blind character she's well there's two of them her and her daughter it's an, a young you know adult and her her little girl and her um the main character is an adult her name's jasmine martinez she works as a child life specialist and she's the only visually impaired child life specialist in that hospital yeah that's so, great i i love it i love that you're doing this and so. obviously things you know some things are hard for her but she does it and you know, she lost her help when she needs it, but for the most part, she can get around. She can do it. And she comes up. It's not like her employees that have the problem with her. It's parents. It's not the kids. Yeah. The kids are open to her. They are, you know, they see her doing this. And like, okay, I can go. I can do this. I can, I can implement the coping tools that she's giving me. I can play this out, see how it's going to be. Go in that OR, yes, be a little scared, but she'll be with me, and I can do this, because she's doing this. But their parents are like, okay, you're not coming near my kid because you can't. You know, they, they, they fear masks itself in different ways, and for them, it's fear of the unknown, fear of what's going to happen to my kid, because they really can't be with them. I mean, there are certain hospitals that let them do that. Are you okay, Carol? Yeah. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's and, that's um Okay, good. And there, but then there are ones that don't, and that's where a childless specialist comes comes in place. She can go where he. There are good guy ones out there, mm-hmm. but they can go where parents can't. So yeah. that's what Jasmine's job is. She goes in there. She goes. She does it, and it's important for me to write this because first of all, it's helping me heal from my own 
you know, everything, because I didn't have one. And we were at the best children's hospital. We were at CHOP, for goodness sake. You would think that they would have offered and said, oh, we have child life, somebody can come down in here and play with her. And it's not just play, it may seem like it, but it's it's you're, it's an education. They come down, yeah. they teach you what will happen, they let you play with what you can play with and what can be, you know, touched and what can't be, they give you a, you know, they give you toy versions, but it still does the same thing. And it gives the kids a sense of power, a sense of control yeah. over a situation they would never normally have control over. And yeah, they're still scared, they still might cry, but they're not, it's not a level of fear they they lowered it, you know. They, yeah. they said yes, I can do this, but yeah. I never had that. So that's what made anesthesia induction so hard for me. That's what made it so traumatic to the point where I just stopped talking when I would go into places like that. Like I talked at home, I talked at school. I was like you hear me now. Like that's how I was when I was a kid. But put me in a place like that, I shut down pretty quickly. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. So. Yeah, this but, stuff's important. Oh yeah, no, it is important. Yeah. When you're paired, it can be very isolating, you know, to the rest of the world. So anything that can connect you to the human experience, uh, I mean, oh, it's yeah. so important. Yeah. Oh yeah, mine. Um, my book is called Hope for the Children. And Becky, you want to tell them what yours is? Mine is Lightning Proof. I love it. Great titles. Oh yeah, your daughter. I don't know what your daughter's into, or whatever. But when these come out, she may actually. I don't know what her tastes are, but you. I'll let you know and see if she wants to read them. Please do. That would be very welcomed. But so, thank you so much. I mean, we don't want to keep you any longer because we know you have family, and we know you probably want to hang out with them before you do your drawing session there. But <laughs> we just do want to say thank you so much for gifting yes. us with your time. Thank you. This was Lauren, Becca, thank you very much. It's such a privilege to, to know you. I'm glad we've made contact. Please keep in touch. Oh, yes. we definitely will. And <laughs> we're you. hoping that maybe, you know, when you have time in about a few months or, you know, we don't want to bombard you, but maybe if you want that, you can come back. For sure. Absolutely. I would love it. Awesome. All right. You have a really good night. Have a good oh. night. Thank you have so a good much. We will. <laughs> you too. All right. I'll talk to you next time. All right. Adios. Bye. All right. Bye.